Lauren Bond and the Metabolic Studio offers the Explorers Club to share meaningful journeys, encounters, and projects in an intimate setting at the Metabolic Studio. Session 8, March 17, 2016, features Caroline Isegair and Uval Rong presenting Adventures in Rajasthan. Let's tune in, connect, and listen. Master musicians and dancers from the court of the King of Rajasthan started to walk. Started to walk westbound following the sun. And nobody knows, nobody is certain why they left the court. They just walked and walked for 500 years until they reached the end of the earth. A place where, if they had kept walking west, they would have simply walked into the great blue sea and drowned. This was the end of the earth, a place the Arabs called Al-Andalus. And when these master musicians and dancers, whom we incorrectly call gypsies, finally arrived at the southern tip of Andalusia, they heard the centuries-old Arab Jewish Andalusian music, old soulful music that was brought by the Arabs and the Jews who wandered off to Andalusia, Spain, from the faraway Middle East, many centuries past. That music, which was cooked and boiled for generations, in the hot, bountiful lands of Andalusia, was now ready to receive the new twist, a new spellbound rewrite by the newcomer chefs from Rajasthan, the gypsies, or as we would rather, as they would rather be called, the Roma people. This is just one page from a, a chapter called Art Out of Darkness which I wrote a few years ago, and that described my interest and fascination finding through my research that the gypsies, the gypsies that we know all over Europe, who created incredible forms of art, like the flamenco in Spain, like the gypsy jazz in France, Django Reinhardt, for example, and the gypsy Roma style in Turkey, these musical styles of music and dance are extremely virtuosic and impressive. And I've done work with these musicians, the Roma people of Spain. I've worked there in 2010. I traveled there. I brought my musicians over there. We've done collaborations, rehearsals, studies, mutual studies, performances with the flamenco gypsy. Then, in 2011, I traveled to Turkey, and I've done similar work with the gypsies in Turkey. But I always 
wanted to go and find the source. Why? Why is it that the gypsy people, the Roma people, have, came, have, have gone through Europe and in each place they picked up the local folk music and dance and made it somehow more spectacular, more exciting, more passionate, more fiery, more virtuoso? Why is it? The answer is in Rajasthan, because this is where they came from a thousand years ago. And so I took my wife, Caroline, my two kids, who are 7 and 11 years old, and a group of 40 followers, 40 fans of my music and supporters of my work, people who came from Brazil, Germany, Israel, all over the United States, and they came along on this adventure to find the source of the gypsy music and dance. And so we went. We landed in Delhi, and we took, uh, we had our own bus, and we started driving towards Pakistan, going west from Delhi to Rajasthan. It's constantly intense, uh, it sounds so chaotic for us, and uh, uh, very stressful. And um, so this is Delhi, images of Delhi, and construction, which they do with only bamboo. Um, so this is just a, a, a man on bicycle holding a lot of, I don't know what boxes, and balancing himself, I don't know how. Life is happening on the street. Um, and then we flew to Udaipur, and we see the, the chaos of the city. <laughs> so now we arrived at the first city in Rajasthan called Udaipur, and the scenery changed to a little bit uh, more rural life. Although the cows, the pigs, the goats are everywhere on every street in India. It doesn't matter if it's a large city or a small village. People just sit in the middle of a central plaza, read newspaper. Time seems timeless or something unusual. And, and, and the cars keep going and the honking keeps happening. And cows are in the middle, pigs, dogs, elephants, monkeys, it's, 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 um... You need, you need to imagine the smells, just adding <laughs> in your mind what, what the photos really lacking is the sense of smell, the quality of the air. When you are there, it's a completely different experience. Udaipur is, uh, I think, one of the biggest cities in Rajasthan, I mean, maybe the fifth one. And um, it has a real problem with pollution, and there's barely any sanitation. Um, so it's, everything is stimulating for us. It, everything is a picture. It was really hard to put together this presentation because 
I had so many pictures of people just on the street. Everything is, is beautiful. We have thousands of pictures, <laughs> uh, but these are a few of them. So here... Um, we, we traveled to the outskirts of the city of Daipur, uh, to a slum, and outside of the slum, we were led to walk through dirt passages up the hills. This hill. And we were searching for the gypsy puppeteers. The gypsy puppeteers have a special style of making puppets, and they used to be the puppeteers for the kings and emperors of India. It used to be a court entertainment profession. Now they are in the margins of societies. They're not in the courts anymore. They're not in theaters. They are on a hillside that they call home, and we don't know how long they're going to call this home. They may move there in a week time, or in 10 minutes, or in a month. When somebody's going to kick them out of there, they're going to go and build another settlement. If they don't have work, if they can't find work in that location, they're going to move and start over again. So when we arrived there, we heard that music that we, you just heard. And um, I just want to add that Puppeteer actually is a cast, is, a, is an artistic cast that they, they transfer their knowledge, savoir-faire, from generation to generation. Women sew all the costumes. This is one of the... Yeah. So it was incredible. They, they had set up the whole, their house, which is on terre battue. Um, it's made from clay. Puppets. Clay and straw. Uh, houses. Yes. And part of the part of the puppet show is live music. Live music is very important. The whole show starts with music first, and then the puppets. And uh, and these are the musicians that were standing by to play for us. And the kids, you see how the children, the children get educated from age zero with the arts, the art form of the families. The turbans are also very important. In uh, Rajasthan, and I think in India all over, the turban has a meaning, and a, so it, it symbolizes the caste, but also who you are, where you come from. How you put it is also a, a region. I cannot say what yet, <laughs> but for example, artists, For example, farmers, their turban is white. You know it's a farmer because the turban is white. Very often, uh, priests, have the color of marigold. The, co saffron, the yeah. saffron color is the royal, not royal, but it's the, the holy, the sacred color. The Brahman, yeah. And, and the, the artists have all a multicolored turban. Mm -hmm. um, like this guy in the middle. Then. Yes, or on the left. Mm -hmm. The shepherds have red turbans. Mm -hmm. Beautiful one. And this is the father, like the patriarch of the family, and he's. Um, was showing us how they make puppets from mango wood. So men are mango. actually sculpting. Yeah, mango, mango wood. Mango wood. They are sculpting the wood. They are finding the exact pieces um, in nature and sculpting the wood. And and uh, uh, an event like that in a house brings the whole community together. So these are children of the neighboring families who are not expert artists. 
but the family that we came to visit are the artists. So these kids getting a free show now because we are there. If we weren't coming, the family would not put up a show. Uh, nowadays, the only place that they can work is in hotels for tourists. It's the only last place that these artists can do their craft. The, the people in India are not interested in it at all. The kings and queens that are still still there, there's still palaces, there's still kings and queens, Maharajas, Maharanas, they're not interested anymore in the traditional art. Now this was a spectacular act in the middle of the show where they lit uh, two torches, two mini torches that, that puppet held, and the puppet was turning up and down around the horse with a, a fire show. Very, very spectacular to do without getting the whole thing burnt down. Because you see the carpet, the rug underneath, it's, that would catch fire immediately, and the puppets would catch fire immediately. This is real fire. And one person had two kind of controls, one controls for the horse and another control for the rider. And he managed to get the rider going 360 degrees around the horse without catching fire. This, in the middle of the show, in the middle of the show, the puppeteer called our, our daughter Silan to come to the stage in the middle of the show, and he, he told the story that um, there was a, a, a maid, maid, right? The yeah. maid is in the pink on the left. Yeah. What happened with the maid? She, she has stolen the favorite carpet of the of the king, and so. And she swallowed it. She yes, She wouldn't she give it back. She didn't want to, to say she did it. She swallowed the whole rug of the emperor, and the emperor wanted the rug back. So they called uh, Silan to the stage, and the maid was dancing around Silan with a little thread coming out of her mouth of the, the doll. The puppet had a little thread. Yeah. You're going to see it in the video. Yeah. But the, the whole trick was Silan had to catch that thread out of the lips of the maid puppet and, and it pull it out in order to get the rug back to the emperor. Also, you, you will hear that uh, actually the character speak with bamboo. The, the, the puppeteer, yeah, the, the person that does the act, which you, you cannot see, they hold two pieces of flat bamboo in between the lips, and they blow air through that, and so that creates the sound that you're going to hear. This is, uh, they show us how, how they're making the puppets from wood. Now, the thing about that is that Northern, Northern India was ruled for about 500 years by the Muslims, the Mughals, who came from Afghanistan, Persia, and Mongolia, and they conquered almost all of India, but mostly the north. And the emperor of India had the Persian puppeteers in his court, and these puppeteers, the artists of Rajasthan, were not allowed to perform to the new conquerors, the new rulers of India, who were, as I said, Muslims from Afghanistan. And they were prescribed to Persian culture. So they established only Persian puppeteers in their courts. 
But the, the Rajasthani artists said, you know, this is our country, this is our culture, and we want to perform and be court uh, puppeteers just like we were for the Hindu kings. And they really do believe that the puppets are alive. So the puppeteers came to the emperor and said, let's test whose puppets are better, our puppets or the Persian puppets. Let's put them into a pool and let them swim. Let's see who can in swim well. faster in the well. Put it down in the well. And let's see who do better. And the, the emperor said, okay, let's do that. He took all the puppets of his Persian artist master puppeteers and those puppets that are made from wood and he put them into the well because the Persian puppets are made from paper mache they deteriorated very quickly in the water when the emperor brought it up just the puppets of the Rajasthani artists were intact because they were made from wood and because of that the Rajasthani puppeteers were allowed to return and restore their status as court puppeteers. And since then, they've been court puppeteers in Rajasthan. These are the musicians. Oh, okay, that's the video. Oh yeah, that's the horses. 
Intensity, the fireness, There's the intensity no of the movement of the puppet—it's um, incredible. Now, this was the entertain, entertainment of the kings of India. What we just experienced—that was a royal entertainment. Not everybody would get to be entertained like this. Now, it's a dying art. But we were very delighted that we were there to witness it, to show them our appreciation. We managed to buy. Um, considerable them. amount of uh, puppets from them, which they gladly wanted to sell us, and so we bought some. And maybe another time we'll bring it and demonstrate you what we learned from mm -hmm. that. But it's really, really uh, great. And uh, you know, that's that's the interesting thing that now the West is interested in things that uh, treasures of the East that the East is not interested in. But our we are coming in, and we have opportunity to keep it alive as audience members. Here we were in the hotel, and at the same time in our hotel, there was a wedding of a family that came from another state, and this is how they were dressed. It's so magical to see these colors just, and this drapery just flowing. These are kids. Yeah. See, they are taking a photo We're just arriving. <laughs> and... Um, bringing the children, Silan and Julien, with us to this trip has been an incredible experience for them, for all of us, and for Indian people. They are so loving, beyond loving, warm, um, generous. They, they were the star of, of the whole trip, really. Selfies all over in India. If you plugging into Rajasthani Insta Instagram, I'm sure Julien is all over. <laughs> yeah, everybody wanted to kiss our children, of course, in the streets. Everybody wanted to hug them and kiss them, take photos with them. It was incredible. Yeah. Everywhere we went in India. Uh, this is a wedding in the street. Uh, February is the season of wedding because of uh, astrological reasons and also because it's a comfortable season. It's not rainy and it's not hot. It's the perfect time to visit. So it's the perfect time for weddings because they do the weddings outdoors. This is the, the bridegroom on the white horse and they have parties in the streets and parades and the family of the bridegroom celebrates first and then... And uh, they join the bride. The bride is in the her house having another party and, and then, the then they get together. To yeah. With this whole entourage. Look at the colors. And um, the smile, it's, it's, it's uh, incredible. And the music, again, the music, uh, the doll playing so loud, and, and the zurna, another yeah. word. And this is also um, 
Udaipur. Water pump. Water pump, a government water pump. You'll see it in many pictures. It's all over India. And uh, this is the condition of sanitation. Um, there are no trash cans in India. Uh, anyway, we spent two and a half weeks there in eight or ten different cities. We haven't seen even one trash can in the streets. The trash can is the street. That's just the way they're used to. So if somebody eats something, if somebody uh, drinks something, they, they throw it on the floor. Just like you would do with a banana peel that is that would become compost in the old days. In the old days. They would do that. And they continue to do it, but it, it, it's not part of the consciousness that plastic and paper and glass is not a banana peel and it would not degrade. It's actually poison. So there's incredible amount of pollution everywhere, just trash, trash everywhere. And the cows and the pigs and the dogs and the goats are all going through it, and people as well. And nobody, nobody's talking about it and nobody cares about it. They just have so much other problems to deal with. That the ecology is not part of the, it's not part of the, the landscape. At this point, we are dealing with much more severe problems of overpopulation and poverty. And they don't have a water water supply, like like they have to fetch the water. So there's some filters that that uh, filter water with less arsenic. So this is where these families going. Um, otherwise, it's so this is like a cooking uh, using solar panel power. Solar panels. And animals again, monkeys. Yeah, lots of monkeys. This is voila, so this, this is, is a typical site, and this can be right next to a really fancy, modern, contemporary, clean hospital. Yeah, it can be right house. next to a house of a very rich man with many service, uh, servants. It it's completely no inter in interwoven. There's no separation of poor and rich and dirty and cleanness. It's so much a complicated weaving of people and animals and um, the elephants in the streets, for example. Yeah, and the colors of the street again. And people just sometimes sitting again in, in the middle. We are driving now to a small village where we heard there's a spectacular family of dancers who preserve a very ancient form of sacred dance where the women oh. sit on the floor. Wait, oh, we're not on the way there? No, not yet. <laughs> okay, we went to the lake first. We're still in Udaipur, um, okay. around this lake that is called Lake Pichola. And uh, Udaipur is, is called like the Venice of the East. Um, Again, we cannot see very well, but this whole building is is, uh, is the house of monkeys. It's it's really amazing. And, and there's, I, mon there's monkeys on the roof. They, yes. they don't own the house. <laughs> they don't live in the house, but but they roam around everywhere. If you look at this, the roof. Everything on the roof there are monkeys. Yeah. And this is just palaces or temples around the lake that has been again developed 
since the 16th century, so it, it's very chaotic and, and more um, not organized architecture, many multi-styles. Multi um, this is part of the palace. There was a ceremony, just someone uh, passed away and they were having a... Um, he was cremated. A cremation. Uh, it was a cremation. That's what they do it on the lake, and, and they disperse the ashes on the water. So we were just there. So, so again, this is on the palaces, and again, these constructions of bamboos that are incredible. Entire, yeah, it's all bamboos. It's, and it just it's holds on one stick on the ground. And like it's, it, it, it's just unbelievable hand painting all the time, everywhere. Imagine if one rope is not tied well. And this is again the flamboyant, something so um, surprising for, for the inside of, of, the, of these palaces made of so much corridors that you get lost in it. I mean, completely lost. And it has a purpose for enemies. Um, but also for um, uh, it protects, it protects the, you from enemies. Yeah, it protects the, cor the corridors yeah. are protection against the it's like enemies breaking into the palace and advancing too fast. So they build very intricate, narrow corridors from place to place within the palace and the inside the forts that it would slow down enemies who may conquer. And also, uh, it's a way to keep cool the places, the rooms where you live. Well, they have air tunnels, they have wind tunnels, they have all kinds of ways of air conditioning those palaces with uh, lattices that are carved in marble and tunnels that, that collect uh, cold air in the night and disperse it throughout the palaces. This is the symbols in, in almost a lot of temples and, and palaces. Ganesh, who is the remover of obstacles, Om, and... and um, the elephant. Yeah. Ganesh is the elephant on top. Om is in the center. Yeah, and the Svatika, who is eternal, eternity, um, and the... Yeah, the swastika is an ancient Indian sacred symbol that, that represents the, the movement of energy. And it moves from left to right. The Nazi version moves from right to left, and that is part of the sacred geometry of the Hindus, but that represents destruction. If it goes left to right, it's progress. It's energy circling and creating. If it goes the other way, the way the Nazis chose to do without really knowing, yeah. uh, it's destruction. Again, I just show mosaic on the wall, just a, a different way we talk about mosaic and so paintings all over um, mosaic. And, and again, also the presence of um, gods and, and shrines everywhere. And from, from the first moment we actually come in, in, uh, in India, even in the airport you have all the mudras hands. You, that puts you in a certain space that nowhere else. Very, very deep space. All the um, namaste is, is the mudra. Every time, the whole day you do namaste. It's, again, 
design corridors marble it's all marble so and the hardest marble i think in the world so when you see what they do with it it it's incredible the 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 embroidery of what they can do and um the use of colored glass this is really remaining of it but you see here and there the colors mirrors use of mirrors all over it's a, an intensity everywhere and So these, these were the house of the king, of the original king of the Daipur. That's where the puppeteers would perform in the old days. Now the palaces have been converted to museums and hotels. They call it heritage hotels, five-star hotels. And the, the king still lived there in certain part of the palace. They have their own quarters. Very often they go to eat in the in the dining hall with the people who stay in the hotel. Um, this is also another of our experience. We went to uh, a puja in the evening in Udaipur, and you climbed these very steep stairs, really steep. And um, the temple of, of Vishnu. Yeah. And. Um, and again, we, we cannot uh, record, we could not film anything, but imagine the bells again, the sound, the intensity of sound, because you have to let God know that you are in house. So, and so the trend. The, ring, the, bell, the, the ringing of the bell, what is very strange is that the people inside this temple, this is an evening prayer, every day in the evening. Every day. People go, and you, you see uh, uh, middle school students. Uh, girls, boys, families, working class people, business people, they all come in the evening to do an evening prayer in the temple. And they are chanting. The, mm -hmm. the, the priests are doing all kinds of things with fire and there's drumming and chanting. But at the same time, there's somebody with a bell, with a large bell, ringing the bell with complete dissonance from the chanting. It's completely... It's 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 terrible dissonant. It sounds horrible. It's really really loud. <laughs> but you loud. get into a trance. It's really loud. Yeah, it creates a, an ecstatic situation. It becomes hypnotic. And in the old days, the priest explained to the people that they ring the bell, not just in the beginning, the whole time. Imagine you go to church or you go to synagogue and for three hours you, or an hour you pray and somebody's ringing this loud bell right in your ear all the time. Well, they explain to the people that they need to ring the bell to tell the gods that the people are in the temple so the gods will come down and listen. But really, from a neurological point of view, from neuroacoustic neuro and the, the study of psychoacoustic, what happens is that you get into a hypnotic state of mind. When you have a repeated sound, repeated sound that repeats again and again and again, it's just like somebody chanting to you, one, two, one, two, one, two, or whatever you want. If somebody keep repeating a movement or a sound in front of your eyes again and again and again, this is mantra. This is mantra meditation. This is self-hypnosis. Basically, they get people to forget about themselves. 
and to lose themselves in something that is higher than themselves. And that's what that bell does in those temples. So now we are on our way to a little village. Mm -hmm. And on the way, uh, we saw some beautiful, beautiful people in, in the fields. It really feels uh, that you're in biblical time again because of the, the machinery that you see. It's people. There's no machinery. I mean, the machinery in the next photo when yeah. they go through the, the water circle. Yeah. The technology that they have is biblical, and they still use it very efficiently. And you see there in the circle behind the two uh, bisons, or yeah, the, uh, the, the buffalo, the two buffaloes, there's an old man sitting. So there's two, yeah, you see the old man sitting behind the two And he's probably uh, the husband of one of the women. And, and, and the buffalo is turning around, pulling a water wheel. And the water wheel takes the water from the well to irrigate the fields. But think about the old man that sits there for hours. It's just meditation. It's a meditation, exactly. The buffalo doesn't really need the old man to sit there behind him. He's sitting there in the middle of a beautiful landscape turning and turning and turning and turning. And I just wish I could be inside his head. So, I think that since the 90s, the Indian government has developed a lot of public school. And that has um, increased a lot of illiteracy. And also... Increased the illiteracy? Or the literacy? The literacy. Yeah, okay. And also, um, it has provided lunch for a lot of poor. So they have free school for five years and with free lunch provided. So again, this is a pump. And this is when we arrived in the village that this um, young girl was so happy, so beyond happy. She, she jumped and she was jumping, pulling her water. And uh, this, this, is, this village, by the way, you don't have any tourist buses coming to this village. You don't have any tourists, period. You don't have any Westerners coming to this village. It's very, it's remote. It's very remote and it's out of the way of any Westerners. So for them to see a group of 40 people visiting was a big thing. They have cell phones and they were filming us, filming them. They were very interested in filming us in this experience. Here you can see um, these little putty that women make all the time from the manure, and they use uh, they use it um, they use it for fuels for um, energy. Yeah. And so you can see a little bit the, the hands. And again, colors beautiful. Even color the the horns. Yes. Just a gate. They are so strong in their body um, and in, in holding their neck, neck and their posture. It's, and even very old. This was the, a river down the village where we... They wash. They wash, they do their laundry, they, they feed the, the cattle. 
they have a lot of goats and this was a temple in the house um, so you, you so when we entered the house of this family of master dancers the first thing in the courtyard the little courtyard is a structure with a, that is a temple so this family keep a temple in their front yard it's the first thing that they have their own temple for the whole village and people come to village so they are a, a respected family that carries tradition not just of the dance but also of the spirituality inside the temple they have those drums called nagara which is used for sacred rituals and they have a machine this is an automated machine that plays rhythm along with the live musicians and the same drums this is the family who welcomed us and again this is an event for the whole village Everybody and people came. come on the roof and people come everywhere and we are in their house in in the again in, in their most intimate setting and um, okay that, this is this is the dancer who uh, specializing this style of dance this used to be dancing the in the temples this comes from the Hindu tradition and the women would sit on the floor they would never stand at that devotional sacred dance and they have those bells on their um, on their shin you see on their legs they have different bells of different pitches and there are three different dancers and they synchronize the movement to hit the right bell at the same time and so it's like a little gamelan orchestra and they all make this Amazing. instrument by hand each one of them so this is it. Oh, that's a video. Right? Yeah, that's the video. Okay, let's see. Yeah. We have to get to that time. After she finishes. Thank you. 
Gypsy style, it's not sacred dance from the temple. And it's more, this really connects to the Gypsy Turkish style that we see in this tour. And of course, belly dance has relationship to this. level of musicians and dancers of Rajasthan, the people who their family, their lineage within their families go right to the families who used to perform in the courts of the kings of Rajasthan and who left a thousand years ago to become the gypsies of Europe. We're trying to find those families. And on the, on way, the way, we have women in construction. Jane, oh no, we go to the Jane temple. Yeah, That's on, the way, on the way to Jasmine. Yeah. So, this is a, a Jane's uh, priest yes. uh, from the Jains. Jainism. Jainism is a kind of religion. You've heard about Buddhism, you've heard about Hinduism. There's another thing in Hindu, in, in India called Jainism which is a extreme non-violence. They, they're so extreme that some of them don't even, they're careful not to open their mouth. Because if you open your mouth, a fly may fly in and you may swallow a fly and you kill somebody. That's a violent act. They don't walk at night because they may kill a living being. Because for them, every living being is, is a spark of... Um, the divine. They can't work as farmers typically themselves because if they just turn the ground, if they work the ground and prepare for seeding the ground with a shovel, they may cut an earthworm or kill some living being. So many of them are belong to the business class and not to the <laughs> farming community, which is interesting. I mean, they still eat. Yeah, they, they still eat, but they, they cannot do the farming. Somebody else who is not from their religion can do the farming. But then they can, it's, it's very interesting. But uh, this is one of their priests. That's the way they look like, and they go on a spiritual quest, walking bare feet. And near their temple, the large, beautiful temple, there are a lot of monkeys. It's a very beautiful, magical setting. You are in the mountains and, and in the greenery of, of the trees, and monkeys are all over. And suddenly, this this temple up here, Ranakpur, it is called, and in front there's always these um, flowers um, offrand. People offer flowers in in the temple, so that's uh, a good opportunity for people who grow flowers to always position themselves around temples. And when you choose to do this donation to, to the gods, you should not smell the flowers. The smell is for God. Right. If you smell the flower, it's already used. It's so a there's a mindfulness flower. of every step. 
Um, and this is the temple, Hanakpur temple. It's all in marble. It's white marble, which is the, it's common in Rajasthan, the white marble. The Taj Mahal, which is not in Rajasthan, was built from the white marble of Rajasthan. It was brought by Emperor Akbar to Agra, which is near Delhi. But the important thing about these people, the Jain, the Jain people, is that their leader met Gandhi, and he was very influential on Gandhi, sharing with him the, philo the philosophy of extreme, extreme nonviolence. And that was one of the important influences on Gandhi. And Gandhi used it in a very pragmatic way, but their place as the extreme nonviolence is, is very important in the spectrum that we have in India. And, um, this is the hardest marble in the world. It's not porous, so it doesn't get dirty. Yeah. Because it's not porous, it's it doesn't incredible. get any liquids in. So for 500 years, it stays the same, unless there's severe industrial pollution. So the Taj Mahal is now suffering from the pollution of the over the last 60 years. They're starting to clean the white marble of the Taj Mahal. But here in the rural area, there's no need to clean this marble because it's so sealed, naturally. But it's very, it's the hardest marble, so imagine how hard it is to carve it. And all this is carved. Yeah, every column is different. There's about, I think, more than 1,400 columns. And they are all, it's, it's absolutely magical. It's, nobody can talk, so there's a, Serenity. Why? You're not allowed to talk inside this temple and the sacred, the holy of holy, in the center where they have the image of God. Uh, is not, you're not allowed to step on that area if you're not part of the Jain religion. So you can you can tour the rest of the temple, but not the holy of holies. And this darkness and shadow and and. By the way, the architecture is very interesting. You know how a church has a cross, always, architecture? A temple in India has a, a, a shape of a body, of a woman, and, no and the most sacred image of God is in the place of the womb, yes. where the womb would be in the in body of a mother. That, so it's a little bit off, it's, it's center, but a little off center, and that's where the image of the God sitting. Like if you sit, uh, if, yeah. you, if you look at Lorraine sitting right now, if she, yeah, that's, that's the shape of the That's the shape of the temple. temple. Oh. Tack, tack. Yeah, and the... the <laughs> <laughs> so, this is the Deepak wheel, and my knowledge is very limited. This is snakes. Hundreds of snakes, and, and you don't find the beginning or the end. Yeah. Um, this is, I think, a, a mount for the Jains that is very sacred. So now we are in Jaisalmer, the Golden City. This is the fort up there, the fort of the king of Jaisalmer. We're still living there, and. There's an area called the Artist Colony. Uh, on the way to the Artist Colony, we saw this beautiful architecture. This is it's all sandstone. Sand, yeah, it's a yellow sandstone, and it's all carved. 
So that's the beginning of the artist colony. So in the, in this area, living are people of a tribe of musicians and dancers who, according to their their legends, their oral traditions, and also according to ethnomusicologists, the people who live here, this tribe, is the one tribe that is connected through their genealogy and history to the tribes of musicians and dancers that used to play for the for the kings of Argentina and left to become the gypsies of Europe. And again, this is their house. So we go in the most intimate. We are right now on the roof of the house. They are hosting us on the roof because that's the only large space that they have. And the man on the left in the, the pink shirt, orange pink shirt, that's Chuga Khan. And Chuga Khan is the head of the family. He's the musical director. He's an expert of uh, wooden castanets Kartal. called Kartal. And he's expert of the music. And he's one of those tribes. And he's teaching the children. He has a children choir that he teaches and educates. And uh, the goats are right there. It's on the roof. And uh, this musician, Chuga Khan, last week performed at the Barbican Center in London. So these people are recognized now worldwide, and they are touring around the world as master musicians the way they, sh they should be. But until recently, they were not recognized. They were called beggars. When they, fall, when they fell out of grace after being, for hundreds of years, musicians and dancers of the kings, when the kings basically got out of the picture, these master musicians and dancers became beggars, and they are called beggars. The name of their tribe literally means beggars, but they proved themselves to be master musicians and dancers, and now the word beggars uh, became uh, a word of uh, testimony to their quality, because only they know the style of music and dance that they carried for hundreds of years. So they hosted us for a demonstration. They just said, we just want to show you a little bit of this, a little bit of that, without really putting our costumes, without doing a real show. This is like a rehearsal. And it started with the children. The first thing, the children. Um, should we we'll talk about see, the dancers? Yeah. Um, okay. Or should we pause the video? We can pause the video and explain. Okay. Or no? Yeah. Well, maybe we should, we should say something first. The dancers that you're going to see are actually men. It's very common in India. Men have been, men and women, transgender, um, they are called hariras, I think. Um, but they, they're not transgender. No. They, they didn't change the sex. No. They have, they have, they have a genetic <laughs> defect. They're both, they have, uh, uh, the genes that they have are both feminine and masculine. So um, they never went through any change of, that's just the way they are, and it's genetic. So it, it goes in the family. So they look, okay. they look like women, but they're very strong physically. So they used to be used by the emperor of India and Rajasthan as the guards of the harems because the women in the harems felt comfortable with them more than with the, with the guys. But they were strong as guys, so they can be both men and women. They can be gods, too. They can be gods. They can be feminine with the women. And they are master dancers. So they, you're going to see and them women dance. can dance in public too. In this, in this family, in this, in this tribe, women don't dance publicly. So 
the one who dance are these half men, half women. They're, they're the one who are allowed to Yeah. Um, he, she. Yeah. 
That's the golden city because of that. It's the same fort we saw just at night, now the night. So in the morning, uh, by the way, what we did on the roof, they told us that we are coming to meet them for tea because we set up a, a night of music the next day on the dunes of the desert near the border with Pakistan. So they said, before we do music with you, we want you to come to our house to have tea, we get to know each other. So we came for tea and they put out all this show for us that we didn't expect, we didn't know. It was, it was just kind of sharing tea, sharing that, and here's a little bit of our music and dance. But in the morning, they took us to this amazing spot on the lake with those domes, and it was so surreal, surreal surrealistic, those yeah. domes in the water, and they brought the children to give us a real concert in costumes and the way they really do it. So this was a show, a concert, a morning concert on the lake. Incredible. So the children Very gathered. Beautiful. Look at the scenery. I mean, it's just amazing. It was so beautiful, and the children were so beautiful in their costumes. And uh, you, you'll see a video soon. Um, this the, little boy on the right is actually... Um, he's mute. He's no? mute. He cannot but speak. He can't speak. He can sing perfectly. He sings perfectly. As long as, long as there's music, he can, he can express himself with words. The music stops, he cannot talk. And again, the turban. You know, the colorful turban. Beautiful boys. Yeah. Dancers. And she was a gypsy, again, she around the street. She was a, a beggar. beggar. Yeah. She was not part of Beautiful. the family. She came, she was a beggar with a baby on, on the street, and she just walked after, after us, uh, walking, trying to get a uh, donation. So here's another excerpt, excerpt from the second
you see how the father Chuga Khan, Khan is conducting on them and it's all goes it's all tradition no schools no music writing they get all those complicated rhythm we're just leaving them by the way these people identify themselves as both Hindu and Muslim which is very strange for us to think about they're both Hindu and Muslim they live in peace with them they pray to the Hindu gods they have songs and prayers to Krishna and Vishnu and they have uh, praise songs to Allah and they they do blessings for this blessing for that they sing they sing to Hindu kings they sing to Muslim kings they have no problem with those concepts coexisting and they have some ritual from this some ritual from that and uh, also you will notice the little um, um, cartel that Kibar was talking about the little boy the hand just pieces of wood simple that he you see the green the green uh, rectangular piece that he's holding by hand he was playing that's the ancient castanet this is where the castanets came about so that afternoon they took us to the desert the tar desert away from the city we drove into the into the the, the desert the camels were waiting for us these are real bedouins uh, they're not part of the musician structure just bedouins that live in the desert and our friends the musicians hired the bedouins to bring their camels to take us to a remote remote spot near the border with Pakistan to to have a hafla, as they call it. Hafla is a party with food, music, and dance. And it was all improvised. And it was a jam session. They played some. They played a lot of their music for us. We played some of our music for them, music from the Middle East. Uh, this is a Comanche. It's, a, it's an ancient uh, violin. And um, they cooked dinner for us. And... Um, we have a little video. This is a musician. This is, this, this is uh, a man from Pakistan, and they they live in a in a, in a strange situation. They are, they are called Sindh, and they are in between Pakistan and India. They come from Pakistan. They infiltrate the border over to India for business because they have business in India and not in Pakistan. But they are Pakistani. But they live within India as long as they feel like, as long as they don't get caught. And they have their own name and their own way of uh, dressing in white, and they're called Sindh. And they have their own music. And he played that, that kind of shepherd flute. So here's a little excerpt from the video that we filmed there, where you can get a sense for, you can get a sense for the different kind of music that this tribe of musicians and dancers play. Start here.
This is sugar cane. Sugar cane, the master of the Gascanians. connected to each other, they can fall out of your hand any time because they're not connected with the thread. And the rhythms that they're doing, this is the origin of the steps that they do in flamenco. When they create all those complicated rhythms with their shoes in flamenco dance, the rhythms come from this, from the kautal, they call it kautal. And they play also with a lot of energy and dance themselves. They anyway. Here we go, on the road again. Where do we go <laughs> to now? Pushkin. No, Kadalia. Okay. This is cotton. And we are going to meet um, the Kalbelia community who are known as the snake charmer, the snake catcher. And um, they were very important um, because there's a lot of snakes in India. There's a lot of bites. And uh, when you have a snake in your house, you just call them and they remove the snake. Now, in 1972, um, there was an act, the Wild Act, the Wild Protection Act passed, and that killed completely their business because they were also catching the, the snakes to, to take the venom and sell the remedy for bites. So now they were not allowed anymore to catch snakes for the venom. Because the act was forbidden, for, forbidden any hunting in India. Starting 1972, nothing, no animal can be hunted in India, even snakes. So these guys lost their jobs. Yeah, for hundreds of years. Of course they, of course they still do it, but officially they're not supposed to. And um, so we went to visit this tribe who has been actually um, surviving this crisis um, thanks to um, a woman who was actually... So women in India, when you get a daughter, it, it's very hard because the daughter is married and goes to the family of the husband. And she's going with a lot of adoring. Dowry? Dowry. A dowry. And it can be huge for a family. So if you have three daughters, that's it. You know, you, you lost everything. You have, to so, pay, you have to pay an enormous amount of money to the family of the groom in order to marry your daughter to a man. The family of the daughters have to pay for years and years and years, sometimes their whole life. They have to continue to pay and buy things that the, the, the family of the men uh, indicates that they want. They wish a car. They want a car. They want an apartment. They want uh, food. And whatever they want, the family of the wife has to provide. So anyway, so it's this, very very difficult for families who have more than one girl. So in one one family of this tribe, 
happen to have another daughter. And they actually decide to bury her alive. And one sister of the mother has no children. And she decides, without telling anybody, that she's going to raise this child. And she goes at night and she she takes out the little girl who has been buried for five hours and is still alive. And she raised her. And this little girl is actually the savior of this community. She has a, a talent for movement and telling stories for movement. And she's going to tell the story of this tribe, of the snake catcher, of the snake charmer. And one day, a, a marriage sees her and, and just decides to support her work. And she's going to develop the whole vocabulary. And she actually is training a lot of dancers of this specific Calbelia community. And that saved their, their life. So, so they, have, they have unique style of dance. And that one dancer became famous. And she saved the tribe because she became famous and respected all over the world. And now other dancers like her now preserving that special style of dance. Which you could see some elements of snake movements because their history is snake catchers. Um, so also, yeah. so they, are, they are nomadic people. They're real gypsies now. They, they don't even have a temporary house from clay, like the puppeteers had a temporary location. These guys don't have even a temporary location. They have no house at all. They don't have a tent. They're living on a caravan. They're always moving from an open field to another open field. They have no address. So how would we find them? How could we have a meeting with them? Well, they do have a cell phone. <laughs> so we, we called them on their cell phone and we told them, where, where can we meet you and they said we're going to send a driver to a village that's going to have a black car with a blue stripe and look for that car and then follow that car and then you're going to find us because they said we're not sure where we're going to be tonight we're right now there but we may move to you know if they're being kicked out by a landowner they have to leave or if it's not favorable location they need to relocate so we were driving and driving and driving and driving finally we find that blue car, the blue car drove us out outside of town to an open field where there's nothing. They are never in the city, they are always outside. And this is this is their home right now. And they, and ju they just showed up. Yeah, they just arrived that so afternoon. They they set up camp because they knew that we were coming and we we wanted to see their music and dance and they wanted to show it to us. So uh, they created an a, a improvised stage area. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are those carts moved by oxen or by cars? Or by buffaloes and tractors. Camels. And camels. Yeah. So little boys, the community, the children, always around. Uh, this is another ancient instrument called Sarangi. It's a spike violin, like the one the Comanche we saw earlier. So, Everything starts with music. There's never a puppet show or entertainment or poetry or theater that starts without music. There's always music first. And then... And the devotional music. The music set up the tone. Music harmonized the audience. The music attuned the performers. 
so then uh, of course the music had tuned the, the little goat that came to dance before the dance was arrived And then the first dance, could you yeah. come back? The first dancer was young, uh, 10, 10 years old, and she demonstrated the early form of their style of dance. This is the kind of costumes they used to have. This is the kind of dance they used to have. And then they brought another dancer who had a different kind of costume, and she demonstrated how the dance developed into more decorative, more uh, fancy. And then the third generation, uh, came with this very, very, very elaborated de uh, costume that they themselves make. And nobody have these kind of costumes in Rajasthan. Nobody can buy this. There's no market and there's no store that will sell something like this because only these people of this tribe make that kind of a dress. And it's on black uh, fabric because of the snake and it has a lot of mirrors um, for protection, like yeah. evil eye, and yeah. also reflection of light. Like often they yeah. perform at night too. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're gonna have a little excerpt. They travel and they dance with the makeup kit. They have 
things that holds the makeup, the colors, and the little mirror, and it becomes part of a theatrical uh, prop. Like back, it, it's very protected, and uh, it's rare to see them. But it's a deer with a black uh, hair on the back there, <laughs> near, near the a wall. whole family. Yeah. And we are on the road to Ajmer. You know. We we shifted uh, we shifted the direction uh, at this point in the tour. Um, not only Rajasthan is the land of the gypsies. It happened that Rajasthan is the land of the Sufis. It's the land of the mystical Sufi Islamic tradition of India, which is a very unique Sufi wisdom tradition, also of music and devotional teaching. And so, since I've done considerable amount of work with the Sufi orders, and the Sufi orders that I've done a lot of work with them, their lineage go all the way to India. It's an Indian style of Sufism called Chishti. It's a Chishti order. And this is Indian style of traveling. Yeah, this, this is how you travel in India. And so we are traveling now away from yeah, away from the, the desert, the deep desert and the Rajasthani folk scene. We're going towards the sacred music and the sacred places because we wanted to do a pilgrimage to the place where the teaching of Sufism started. And maybe we will do that another time. Yeah. Maybe. We'll do this as another chapter. Yeah. Right? I think so. Yeah, we'll do... This, this starts a whole other part of our, of our exploration into the Sufi tradition of India and Sufi music, and it's a whole other chapter. So let's do it another time, if you'd like. We can convene a time and uh, and do that. But thank you for having us, Lord. Thank you, so thank you for your We hope you enjoyed the latest Explorers Club session. For more information, please visit metabolicstudio.org. And thank you.